The room is relationships. The room is you and me and everyone in America. What are you talking about?、Uh, the room is different cookie cutter、mm-hmm. from Hollywood. Yeah, man, you never know. People are very strange these days. What's going on? Welcome to the Room Minute, the podcast where we get obsessed with the cinematic classic, The Room, one minute at a time. You have no idea what kind of trouble you're in here, do you? Why are you so hysterical? We always wanted people actually talk about it. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh hi, Mark. Oh hi, Allison. Oh hi, Rob. Okay, so I was watching. Um, the movie Stalker last night. It's a Russian film from 1979, and I don't know if it's the translation or just the way the subtitles were, but they kept looking for a place they called the room, <laughs> which is where all your desires come true. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, is that what the room is? <laughs> it amused me. Yeah.、Uh, well,、uh... oh hi, Niall. <laughs> oh hi, Robert. Oh hi, Allison. Oh hi, Niall. I was gonna say, I know this movie has made all my desires come true, so it's fitting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you do get to see、uh, very impressive,、uh, ripply, wrinkled, ripped torso <laughs>、uh, in the、oh, next、yeah. couple of scenes. So, yeah, I mean, if that's your if that's your dream, then by all means, yeah, it has come true. We are here, by the way, today to talk about minute seven, in which there's lots of foreplay. Yes, I was going to say, do you think that he laughs in the middle of sex? Yes, he laughs. It's his laugh is punctuation for everything. <laughs> it, is, it was disturbing to me actually to to hear the laugh because I've become now through editing so many so much of my own voice that I've noticed that like I laugh a lot and sometimes it sounds very forced and、huh. fake. And I'm very aware of it now. And then hearing his like, oh, 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 it's like, oh my god, that's me. That's my <laughs> goddamn laugh. I'm doing a Tommy Wiseau the whole time. That's funny. <laughs> In fact, the first thing we get in this minute is laughter from Johnny. Who would like to describe what actually happens in this minute?、Um, uh, there's a lot of、uh, faffing around with a tie that, that that goes on for an overtly prolonged <laughs> period of time, and then it's just one of those things you're like, "Oh, this could fade to black at any second," and then we could just go to the next scene. But no, no, this is the entire damn week of the show is, and this is just the first of several. Yeah, yeah. I do remember that upon first viewing of the movie, like we had the thing like, oh yeah, they're kind of laughing at this sex scene, and then what, like literally four minutes later, but like, oh, there's another one. Okay, <laughs> oh here we go. <laughs> It's like, oh, this one's even worse. Yeah.、Uh, yeah. So we get, as you said, lots of playing with Johnny's necktie.、Uh, we also start the minute with a continuity error, which I mentioned last week. Uh, Lisa put her hair down, and second two, her hair is right back up again. Well, I mean, they're doing a lot of dicking around with various things, so I wouldn't put it past the characters if they were like this whole thing lasted like two hours. Well, it must. And she put her hair up and down several times. He got、no、home、reasons. from work, and it was still broad daylight outside. They immediately went upstairs, and if after this, she turns out the lights, and other than that one light from the water fountain thing, it's dark.、Mm. So they were in this room for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, you you get、uh, if you bag yourself a man like Johnny, you,、uh, you savor <laughs> those moments that you get to <laughs> you get to be intimate with him. He's a catch. Like Lisa doesn't know a good thing when she has it. Anything for his princess. Oh yeah. Anything for my princess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>、uh, 
Um, I, I was really curious though because I had to look up who the guy doing the song is. It's like it's it's you know the room soundtrack, and it always says featuring Wayman Davis. Yeah. Um, and I was looking like, oh, he's not done anything else, and doesn't really surprise me. But I was wondering if the guy was at least trying to capitalize on like the infamy of the room because this song's no "You Are My Rose," right? Right. But like, you think he still could be out going like, "Hey, I'm like, I'm the guy who did that one song from that one scene in the room. Come on down." Or does he run away from it? He never speaks of it ever again. Yeah, I think at this point, though, I would be. I'd, you know, everyone else in the movie is owning it at this point. Well, most people <laughs> are owning it at this point. Although that might be because the people who are owning it are, like, the featured players. So there's no way they can escape it. So, <laughs> like, if you were like, oh, no one need ever know that I was singing on that track, you might want to slip into the shadows. But then I think I said, just go capitalize on it. I mean, friggin' Greg Sestero. Like, that's, that's just his life now. It's just, like, paying bills by, like, I was in this movie, guys. <laughs> I do know because um, I've actually I've been to like several screenings of yeah. the room, uh, and uh, two of them Greg was in attendance, uh, and one of them Tommy was in attendance. So uh, I've um, I've been very lucky to actually be uh, in the same physical presence as uh, this man's ripped torso. Uh, in uh, <laughs> on one occasion at least. Yeah, one I went to one with Tommy, but I haven't been to one with Greg yet. Uh, I think he uh, the one with um, with Greg. He must have really liked the venue because like it was it was it was really good fun. Like um, it was me and my co-host on Batman and John. Like we showed up in tuxedos and stuff, and we were the only ones who did, which was kind of weird because they were like, oh, we just assumed everybody <laughs> would be in them. Uh, but uh, be- because of that, we kind of stood out to them, so we actually got to go you up on stage. stage yeah. like, we had, nice. Like, had Tommy going like, oh, hey, the talks guys, come on up. And, like, um, we just stood on stage with him awkwardly for a little bit while he, like, he was doing some weird stuff or, well, you know, it was Tommy, so of course <laughs> he was doing weird Yeah, it's redundant. He was, at one point, like, um, like again, because, you know, He's just that kind of guy. Uh, he's using unfortunate language, but he's going like, "Oh, people always ask me about uh, like Danny, you know." And I tell them, I tell them, "No, Danny's retarded. That's the point. He's retarded." And the, the crowd was kind of like, "Saying that, Tommy, you can't say words like that, man." And it felt as well as if he had only just thought of like, "This is my new excuse for it," so that he, he wanted to make sure it was out there and stuff. But because of that, the the the, the, the screening went brilliantly, and uh, Greg came back like a couple of years later is when the disaster artist book came out. Mm. Uh, and so I've got like a framed, uh, like I tore out the, the front, like the little, you know, just the first page that says the disaster artist by, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and he's his signature on it and put it in a frame and stuff. But that was, it was at that screening. He was like, Oh, by the way, uh, you know, we're doing something special tonight. Uh, I'm revealing something else that uh, was not announced yet. And then he played the trailer for that best friends movie. Ah. And he's just like, yeah, you guys, we've made a new movie. You, you, you guys are the first to hear about this. And we're like, holy shit, that's amazing. Uh, but he might say that at like every screening where he's just telling you that you're the first people to hear about it. But we felt all, we all felt very special for about uh, like 10 <laughs> minutes. And I remembered it distinctly too, because he was wearing, um, which I thought was a very straight, it was a move that Tommy himself would have done, but it was Greg doing it, where, uh, Drive had just come out quite recently, like, th- this was like in the first screening, uh, like it was maybe in the, in the intervening months after Drive was like a big hit, well, a medium, like a medium hit, and he was wearing Ryan Gosling's jacket from it, 
And it was that you know, that kind of pearl, kind of satiny. The one with the scorpion on it? Yeah, yeah, that. And I remember the whole time, I'm like, this guy's, he's just wearing Ryan Gosling's jacket <laughs> from Drive. <laughs> and he's not mentioning it. <laughs> and it was just, it was very, very strange. But, uh. But the, it was great at the same time, though. Greg himself seems like he's a lovely, lovely guy. Like, uh, and Tom, Tommy seemed nice when we, you know, briefly, briefly spoke to him, too. But then, like, he also seemed like a complete weirdo, <laughs> which is what you want, really. He's, like, hyper-energetic when you go through a line and meet him. He's constant high energy. It's hard to have an interaction with him that is meaningful. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, Post, you want to take a picture? Here, do this. <laughs> I'll sign that. What do I do? <laughs> okay, next. <laughs> Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah, he's just, uh, it's, it's, well, he's in that weird stage now, though, where I'm sure you guys have probably mentioned it already, but like, I, I preferred when he was in that stage of obliviousness, where, like, you watch this movie for the first time without any context, and you just think that this guy is just some, just the strangest person to ever have existed. Right. And everything about it is just like you couldn't you couldn't write this. You couldn't write how weird a person he is and how awkward everything in the movie is. <laughs> just like it seems as like this is you know, it has to be natural because there's no way you could write something this consistently funnily awful. But now that he's kind of aware of it, I don't like I see these did the, the the trailer for that shark movie he's, he's got coming out is up. And I kind of like an arch and eye about that. Like, well, I don't want you to be, be trying to be stupid, you know, Tommy. Like, I want you. The 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 goal of this was the the, the genuineness of yeah. the project. Mm-hmm. So then, when he comes out with things, but are like, now he's he's leaning into the ridiculousness of him. Of him. It's like they they got him to play the villain in uh, Samurai Cop Two. Yeah, and it comes across as a joke when the original Samurai Cop is the same as this, where. When they made it, it was a genuine, we're trying to make this kind of movie. Yeah. And then they embraced the badness later. Mm. And so then they put Tommy Wiseau in the sequel. It's like, uh I'm going a little far. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand they might be like, well, there's not much you can do yeah. with him. But, I mean, the guy was a successful yeah. businessman. So it's not as if he's he's going to be wanting for money or anything. Um, I did always feel, though, and I feel it's a shame now that the, the time has passed and we'll never... Like, I don't think the opportunity will ever come up again. But when they announced that they were making that third season of Twin Peaks, <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, they should totally cast Tommy Wiseau in that. Because that's one of the few projects I can imagine him just kind of coming in and just being Tommy and just, like, reading his lines in that way. And it just being like, yeah, that would work in Twin Peaks. Like, that's just – whether he be, like, a like a Black Lodge entity or just one of the local – you know, one of the local colors, you know? Like, he's just sort of like, yeah, I'm just one of the quirky guys who lives in town. Like, it would have been perfect. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe that no one, that, that anyone ever say to David Lynch, like, you should be, go, just go get that guy, he's perfect for you. Yeah, David Lynch could make it seem like it's something on purpose. <laughs> it could be one of those things, too, where, like, maybe if Lynch thought of that, because some of his films are so, you know, they're, they're all great. Well, most of them are great. But they also have that thing of sort of skewing in with, like, if you watch, like, the original Twin Peaks now, it's very yeah. soap opery, like, in the acting and stuff. And at the time, it's like, it was interpreted as, like, oh, this is deliberate because it's playing off tropes and TV and stuff like that. And you look at Blue Velvet and you think, like, oh, this is very, there's elements of this that are very cheesy juxtaposing as the insanely dark violence of it. And you're like, well, that's obviously deliberate. But then you think, you see Lynch in interviews being like, well, you know, I don't really know what irony is and things <laughs> like this. 
So you wonder if he's also been like cruising. He's actually like a Tommy with some level <laughs> director that's just been cruising under like people think I'm just been really artsy. Yeah, it just it just happened. To <laughs> he's hit, just right. got away with it for like forty years. They say, oh, if I, if I team up with this guy, people will be scrutinizing it too much, and they'll suddenly go like, wait a minute, that last season didn't have a proper ending. We all thought he was doing something <laughs> clever. What if he just didn't know how to end it? Yeah, it's not funny when you try to purposely make something. I mean, the whole hilarity of the movie is the fact that it was supposed to be serious. And I think that he's really leaned into the idea that he was in on the joke. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I also, like, I'd almost appreciate that a little bit because you know he's lying <laughs> as well. <laughs> where it's like, like this guy really trying to make, like, keeping these plates spinning on sticks of like, no, 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 I, I was totally in on the joke the whole time. Like, my ass, you were, Tommy. You thought this thing was freaking great. Yeah, like on the back of the DVD cover, they refer to it as a comedy. <laughs> yeah. Like, that wasn't what you were trying to make. You weren't trying to make a comedy. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, obviously accidentally made one of the best ones that's currently out, really. But, yeah, 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 because me, like, me and my friends and stuff, we usually do, like, that's how we first saw The Room, was, like, we have routine bad movie nights and stuff. And, like, it's always, it's way too apparent. Like, I can't get through a Sharknado, because you know that they think, like, hey, this is crazy <laughs> stupid, right? And it's like, nah, man, I want you, I, I want to savor the, the, the effort, the, the genuine effort that was put into a thing that went completely off the rails rather than we just, yeah, threw together a bunch of crap and we hope you like it because it's crap, but it's just the mask, the fact that like, oh, what you've got here isn't actually all that good a film at all. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's obviously, they've made like yeah. five of those now, so there's obviously an audience for it. And they got increasingly worse as they went. The first one was mildly entertaining, <laughs> and then it just went downhill. I've never actually, yeah, as I said, I've never made it through. I think we had, we might have got through it like, but no one was paying attention. Like we would have been talking yeah. over it and stuff. So like I've never, but I've never sat down and like, like when we first watched The Room, it was a proper like everyone in the room. Everyone in the room was quiet because they were taking in what they were watching and stuff. Whereas something like Sharknado is like, no, you can talk <laughs> over this because no one cares. Although there was a guy like the first night we watched it, I distinctly remember uh, one of my friends could not take it. Like he actively wanted to leave and stuff. I've never seen like actually I have seen him react that way to things before, but I was surprised because everyone else was like really loving it. And then he was just really like, "Why are we? Why are we watching this? This is terrible! This is terrible!" And he was getting <laughs> angrier and angrier at it. About the room? Yeah, he was just like, uh, he's just he's just desperate to leave. Like he just could not take it anymore. That's how I felt the first time that I watched it. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, this movie is horrible. But then the more that I watch it, the more that I enjoy the fact that it's bad. But at first, I was just like, what am I watching? Mm. Like, yeah, it's um, I've, I've, I've rarely seen that before. I know I had another, a different friend the night we watched um, Howard the Duck. <laughs> uh, he went and had a protest nap because <laughs> he was just like, this, this thing is, it's not funny how bad this is. Like, he's like, that's it. I'm out. And he went and just had a, he had a sleep in the back room for a bit. And then he came back, like, when, um, at the, towards the end, we were kind of getting fed up with it as well. And we're just, like, we we're playing it through a computer. So we were just, like, slowing down the audio and speeding it up. And then just, like, doing a kind of different mixes of the song at the end. And that made it infinitely more enjoyable <laughs> than it had been previously, to be fair. Although I don't know if either you two, are you, um, I'm assuming, Robert, you seem the type who would have been into Howard the Duck back in the day. But uh, maybe I'm misjudging. No, you. I've seen Howard the Duck several times, and I watched it and wrote about it in my blog as well a couple of years ago when I did a month of bad movies. Oh, okay. 
Uh, Allison, are you, are you? Have I seen Howard the Duck? <laughs> have you ventured into? No, I'm Googling it right now. Yeah. It's on Amazon, but you have to pay for it. Mm. It's, um, the thing is, the film is, it's, it is genuinely pretty, pretty bad. But what I will say is that a thing I rediscovered recently, because it jogged my memory when we briefly talked about it when I was guesting on the Mogwai Minutes a few weeks back. Yeah. Uh, and I remember, like, oh, yeah, I have the novelization. Of Howard the Duck? Of Howard the wow. Duck. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like, it's really good. Well, the comic was always It's good. like a really good novelization. The comic was, like, always a satire and it had, like, political angles and social commentary. And then they make a movie that's... A weird romantic comedy mixed with an alien invasion yeah. that didn't take itself seriously enough or make mu- as much of a joke of itself as it should. Like it needed to hit one or the other and it went in the middle. Yeah. I know that the, um, cause the novelization was written by a guy called Ellis Weiner, hmm. who apparently used to be editor for uh, National Lampoon. Okay. And like, as you're, like the opening chapter, is like a debate between uh, the narrator of the book and God about how to <laughs> properly tell the story. And then, like, you can just tell throughout the whole thing, like, he knows that this film's terrible. But he's just trying to, he's trying to treat it like it's, like, oh, this is my hitchhiker's guide, basically. <laughs> so he's trying to, like, he, he'll just go on random tangents explaining things that don't feature in the film. Like, they'll mention a laser, and he's like, oh, I'm going to make up an entire backstory for the people who invented the laser. So there'll be an entire chapter dedicated to people who aren't in the film. That he'll make up this whole thing like, this laser was invented by a woman who used to be a plant <laughs> hypnotist and all this kind of stuff. And goes into really crazy things and like and then even towards the end, you can just tell like he's going on about like the the, the radio spectrograph that they have to use to to send the the get the, the, the things back and all this. And he's just going like but anyone who has any scientific knowledge would know that that's the way that a spectra- that's not the way a spectrograph works. <laughs> but, and they write in block capitals, it could be that the story of Howard the Duck is a little bit stupid and <laughs> like all this. Kind of. Nice. So you can just tell this is a guy going like, alright, well they're paying me. I'll, 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 I'll give you a book. <laughs> but it's not gonna be like this fawning, beautiful adaptation. It's gonna be whatever the hell I want it to be. And I'll, I'll throw your story in there somewhere as well. <laughs> And there's about 50 million more duck puns than there are in the in, in the actual film. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so I can recommend that for people if you if you've been put off by the atrociousness of the Howard the Duck movie, the novelization, which you can probably get on eBay for like nothing, uh, is is well worth seeking out. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Nice. It I, it sounds much more entertaining than the movie. Although the movie, yeah, when I when pretty- I rewatched it, this was two years ago was better than I remembered it because I, it's so many years of people saying how awful it is. It held up a little bit better. It's still, it's dumb. Mm. But it was better than I expected when I came back to it, which is nice. Well, I remember there's, there's bits in it though you can't help but be like, that is genuinely impressive. Like all the stop motion animation of uh, like the Dark Overlord yeah. at the end. Like, you watch that, I was like, this is really good work. Like, this is properly, really, really, for the time, like, amazing stop-motion work. It just happens to be attached to this really terrible movie. Yeah, it was Lucasfilm. Yeah, yeah. It's like, things have gone a different way. Would we even care about the new Star Wars movies? Or would we be just looking forward to Howard the Duck 12 (laughs) or or something? If it had done well. (laughs) (laughs) Howard the Duck novel, $7.93 on eBay. Oh, I'll say go for it, man. 
I may have to. Uh, let's try to think, is anything in the scene here worth um, worth commenting on? Let's see. Lots of playing with Johnny's necktie. We dissolve to the candles, which of course are red. I don't think any of this is on purpose because I don't... Wait, I forgot who I am. This is absolutely on purpose, and the symbolism of the color red is important to Tommy Wiseau in his writing. <laughs> because it is a color of passion, and so the candles are red, Lisa's dress is red, the blanket on the bed is... It's darker, but it's also red. Those things matter. The rose is red. Have either of you guys ever been in a bed or <laughs> owned a bed that has these, oh. like, mosquito net draping things? Sorry, you, you paused after, have you been in a bed? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Bed? <laughs> like, I've heard about these bed things. I want to know. Are they, are they really all they're made up to I've be? heard myths about there being beds, but um, I've never seen one maybe they aren't in california <laughs> <laughs> i've seen beds like that but i've never slept in one no like, oh, everyone knows that california exactly. is the the hammock state so <laughs> that's all you guys need a couple of palm trees string it between them. yeah the east coast has the beds and we have in and out <laughs> it's fair trade uh, but think, uh, th- these things though like the drapey things that come down from the four posters or, or whatever like, they just seem like that's just an unnecessary thing. Like, maybe it's my mentality because I'm the kind of guy, I don't want to go, I was going to out myself on the, on air, but like, I change my bed sheets like maybe, maybe once a month, if that. So like, the fact that they're now inviting needless other things that you'd have to launder, such as things that are just draping down from the yeah. bed for no apparent reason. This seems like a needless pain in the ass to me. So, I don't know, maybe other, pe- other people's dreams is to have, like, oh yeah, you need the, 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 the bedpost drape things. But, um, to me that just like, it's like, why? Why bother? Well, I think Tommy thought it was fancy. Yeah. And yeah. as I understand it from a Disaster Artist's book, this bed was already around when they were casting people, which confused some people coming in to read for Lisa. <laughs> there's a bed in the room. <laughs> They had to be reassured that the it wasn't a a porn film they were auditioning for. <laughs> I think even, even like old these years later, Juliet Daniels is still kind of like a porn movie. <laughs> so that was auditioning for though, because it might as well have been <laughs> part of it. Yeah. Well, as I said a couple episodes ago, this this scene was at the end of production, and Sandy Chaclair, who allegedly did a lot of the actual directing of the movie, quit. Because he didn't want to be involved with this scene. Because Tommy did not want to do certain things you would do while filming a sex scene. You know, wear the little sock thing to cover himself. And, you know, <laughs> he, he just wanted to walk around the set naked. And Chiclair's like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go for that. <laughs> you, you cannot have sex with Julia Daniel on the set. <laughs> well, there's that famous line from, um, from the, the book. You guys might cover it in more detail when it comes to the relevant scene where, like, you just get the, the Tommy ass flash. Yeah. But, like, I think he did have some line about, like, oh, yeah, like, my, my ass is going to sell this film, basically. Like, if I don't show my <laughs> ass on camera, this won't work at all. Which is, um, I mean, it did improve the film for <laughs> a little bit. So. Yeah, I don't know. I could have, I don't think it's a huge selling point. <laughs> <laughs> 
just I remember, I remember a while back though, like noticing that there was a real thing with um, with Mel Gibson and showing his ass in films. Yeah, because I remember watching like a lot of them in the nineties and been like, I've seen this man's ass quite a bit. Like Mel Gibson just really likes like, yeah, that is like taking that is like giving the buns a bit of an airing, you know, just um, <laughs> give the people what they want. <laughs> I was like, I remember seeing it, but like, I don't know if I need to see your ass that much, Mel. <laughs> like, at a certain point, we get familiar enough; we don't need to see it again. <laughs> so, like, oh, there it is. There's the mole. There's the the right cheek mole. <laughs> <laughs> Gets its own credit <laughs> in the opening titles. <laughs> so, in in theory, it was actually Greg Sestero directing this scene because Johnny's in audio and on camera. I wonder if he filmed it through all that netting deliberately to try to like tone down the pornographic angle that Tommy clearly was going to allow. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, but the thing is, it also kind of it heightens the, the soft core porn kind of feel to it as well, the the netting. Like it makes me feel kind of like a like a red shoe diaries kind of <laughs> kind of vibe comes off to it now. That's the netting. I did actually want the netting when I was little cuz I think that there are like some princess Beds for like little kids <laughs> that have like the netting. Yeah. I'll have to like Google that, but I'm pretty sure that there are. Well, in, in like Disney animated movies where it's like medieval stuff with the big beds with the posts and they always have things ha- dangling from the top because that's the fancy medieval thing. Mm. It's romantic. I think it's, it's the, it's a, a real mark of rich people's like, oh, we have, fancy bed <laughs> you don't even need it you, just, you don't even need it but <laughs> no you only need that if you live in like a jungle where it's tropical and you need to keep mosquitoes out at night in which case you yeah. pull that netting down when you go to bed mm. yeah it seems kind yeah. of like adults shouldn't have it it seems sort of like a kid thing to do again though it wouldn't surprise me if tommy had a real thing of like i watch disney movie and <laughs> i see that yes this is bed that people that everybody has this is what i aspire well, to. i think that's actually accurate he's he does know american film and he knows what the visuals are that we put with like a romantic love scene and if you're going to show it this is how you show it otherwise you pan away to like a fireplace and you cut to the next scene mm. but if you show it you want to give it this romantic angle you give it the nice song in the background yeah and you turn it into something else. <laughs> what do what do people think of the song though? This one. What, what are you what what's, what's you guys' opinion on it? <laughs> the lyrics are okay. They're very cheesy, but they're okay. It's weirdly too slow, mm. especially at the beginning of this song. I, I talked about it last minute. Where at the screenings, the audience will try to like clap to the beat, and they can't. Yeah. <laughs> because they're trying to coordinate their claps with each other yeah. while clapping really slowly. It just doesn't work. Like, it's, it strikes me as being, like, I, I think it's just a flat-out yeah. bad song. Because it's just not to my taste. But it also does strike me of, like, particularly because over in, um, you know, the UK, because I grew up in Ireland, so, like, right next to the UK, there was, you know, the early 2000s was, and the late 90s, was in, you know, we were inundated with boy bands and like there's people I know now like respected uh like respected physicians and stuff in their 30s who could recite you the name of every boy in a boy band ever because that's what they <laughs> grew up with and stuff and they still have a real thing like oh hey one oh they're so dreamy and all this kind of thing but this is the type of song like if I think if, if it had been better produced you could have given this to a boy band 
Uh, and it could have been like a big hit back yeah. in the day. <laughs> Maybe that's why. I'm saying the lyrics are okay. It's not the kind of song I like, but I get it. Maybe that's the problem is it, it needs a better production. Yeah. If Nick Jonas sang this to me when I was 15, oh my God. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah it's definitely i didn't even think about that it sounds like one of those like love songs that you would like give to a boy band like i will stand in the way of a bullet okay sure <laughs> sure you would <laughs> it could be like maybe that was you find out that like Tommy actually like he was entirely behind the song as well as like if the, if the movie's not a hit I'm going to take that single out, and someone's going to buy it, and it's going to be huge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. The whole scene is interesting. <laughs> There's not much nudity in it yet. It's just sort of dancing with the tie, Yep. and it's shot through the netting. The The final angle in this minute, her dress is down, but you can't see anything yet. It's like, oh, you're going to have to wait. People wanting to hear us talk about that, you're going to have to tune in next time. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of shots, though, I did actually, for this minute, I was curious how many different setups they had. Uh, so I made a list. The first two seconds, we have an angle toward the candelabra from above. Seconds 2 to 13, there's an angle toward the roses, panning left. 13 to 17, back toward the roses, but panning right. Uh, 17 to 21, we get an insert shot of the candles. 21 to 30, we get a lower angle from the foot of the bed. 30 to 40, a low angle from the right side of the bed. 40 to 52, a low angle from the foot of the bed, uh, tracking right. And then 52 to 60 from the left foot of the bed, tracking right. So we get, let's see, one, two, eight setups for this one minute. <laughs> I was going to say that's just for what they used, but notoriously they used almost everything they had. Because <laughs> it was all good. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and they were editing as they went, so... I mean, this was some of the last stuff they shot, but at that point, he knew what he wanted. In the first cut of the movie, this scene was longer. <laughs> and, yeah, the, seem it. the one thing that the editor, uh, Eric Chase, won with Tommy over is shortening this scene, but they just used part of it later anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, the scene's already too long as is. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else for the content of this minute? No, no, I'm, I think that's, uh, it's, admittedly it was hard minutes to make notes for, really, because it's just like, yeah, they're, they're banging. My, my notes uh, went away from it, but I'll get to that next minute. I do have, um, notes from a midnight screening for this minute. Okay. Notes from a midnight screening. Uh, when Lisa's hair is up again, usually someone will scream, oh wait, put my hair back up, or they'll scream something at her. Then it's down again in the next shot, and someone will say something about that. The audience is obsessed with fire and water, so when we see the candles, someone will yell fire. <laughs> uh, when Johnny's shirt comes off, the audience reacts as if it is the greatest body they've ever seen. It's a lot of whoa. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like you, you can say a lot about Tommy Wiseau, but like... Guy's yeah. built. <laughs> like, he, 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 his, his, his body is like, yeah, he looks... It looks weirdly veiny and kind of well, old stuff, but <laughs> it is also very impressive. So I gotta give him yeah. that at least. My favorite note from Midnight Screening is uh, right near the end of this minute when they are kissing, because people in the audience tend to, when they 
are doing like open mouth kissing and everything are going oh oh like someone's trying to eat someone <laughs> like every time I'm like that's that's lovely it's not even that bad <laughs> I mean uh Sandy Chaclair did yell at Tommy over using putting his tongue into the first kiss they filmed but mm. you know but still it's people do kiss that way so it's fine uh-huh. uh anything else for this minute no, I think that's it. Nope, nope, that's, that's me. Okay. Since you got through a whole episode, Niall, would you like to tell the audience where they can hear more of you? Uh, yeah, if you want to hear more from me, uh, talking about movies that, uh, dare I say it, are a little bit better than The Room, uh, potentially, um, I am one of the hosts of Bat Minute, uh, where we talk about the Batman movies from 1989 up to and including 1997, which includes a movie that's arguably almost worse than The Room, which is Batman and Robin. Uh, and we're doing it, again, much like you guys, one minute at a time. Uh, we do it, you know, three days a week as well. Uh, we're currently, um, depending on the time this airs, we're near the end of Batman Returns. And then we'll be gearing up uh, in, later in the year for Batman Forever, which we're very much looking forward to. Uh, and, uh, of course, we've got the entire the entirety of Batman 89 is out there already. Uh, and yeah, we have a lot of fun. It's just good, good old light-hearted, you know, appreciation for the movie. Like we do some, we do a bit of ribbing. We also do a bit of uh, fawning of praise as well. So uh, if you want to hear that, you can find it on on you know iTunes and any podcatcher in general. And uh, yeah, you can find us on any social media platform you please under Batman. There's nothing wrong when people make it fun of the project, in this case, The Room. The Room Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Follow The Room Minute on all the obvious social media. If you've got any stupid comments after the show, you can leave them in your pocket on Facebook. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. Thank you for listening, and remember, if a lot of people loved each other, the world would be a better place to live. Leave us!